Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Monday, September the 11th, a date that has lived in infamy for at least the adult half of my life. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the events of 2001, and we're going to pivot from that to talk about why it is so critical today that we don't lose the lessons and we don't make the same mistakes that were made in late 2001 and 2002 when we chose comfort and security over liberty. And I think the, uh, the scary part of that is, is that not a lot of people are aware of it, but more and more are waking up to it. So we're going to be talking about the tiny face of tyranny today, who is the resident governor and controlling the state of New Mexico, which is my former home. It's the place where I left the FBI. And I think it is also a place that is a Petri dish, is the word that I've been hearing over and over again. It is a test case, a, t- a trial balloon for so many of the tyrannical ideas that are going to be floated out into our country. And, and many of you guys have seen those. So we're going to talk about all those things today. Um, uh, take a moment just right now, and we can, uh, we can pray for the repose of the souls of those who died on 9-11. We can pray for the unity of our country where we think about how, how much we came together in that, uh, that fateful time in that day. I was 19 years old. I remember sitting and watching the buildings come down. I watched the, uh, the second plane hit. I got a phone call from my mother. I was sitting in a dormitory, actually, a college dormitory, and got the phone call from my mom. And uh, 19-year-old Kyle, without uh, many glints in my eyes, had no idea that I would be joining the military later, that, uh, uh, that our country would be changed forever and that I would end up serving it in the FBI or in the U.S. Uh, Air Force. None of those things had occurred to me at that time, and I ended up sitting and watching the, the towers actually crumble, sitting in the, the lobby of, uh, I think it was Walker. I think it was called the Walker Towers in uh, the University of Oklahoma, in Norman, Oklahoma. And it was a real scary time for those of us who remember it. I remember the air cover flying over. I remember looking up and seeing F-16s that were, uh, that were circling because there was a potential target in, the United, uh, in Oklahoma. Tinker Air Force Base was right there. So many of you, if you can put yourself back in that mindset, we all came together as a country, and it's something that we really need to do this year, this time. This is a great time for us to remember it and, uh, and use that to our advantage because tyranny is on the march, but it's not an external threat right now. It's an internal threat. So before we get too deep into our show, and we are going to have a guest here that we're going to bring on from New Mexico, someone who's going to be able to talk to you a little bit about some of the things that I've seen, and I've been focusing on this for the last several days. I think it's so important that we do not let the smallest states among us um, just fall off the map and let them be conquered, which is what's happening. I'm going to uh, talk about our sponsors really quickly, and, and we are really grateful, and you want to talk about a great sponsor. Uh, how about our friends over at Patriot Cooler? Uh, once again, folks that do understand, they are supporting our American veterans, and they support the Kyle Serafin Show. Uh, here is Patriot Coolers. Go to patriotcoolers.com. You can use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. It gets you 10% off. Uh, for all of you out there who are patriots, this is a uh, an excellent product and a company that supports us and it supports veterans and they make something that you need. It keeps your uh, beverages hot or cold. I've got mine right here. As you guys know, I've been carrying their products since about 2017. I was using them on duty when I worked for the FBI. This is my new tumbler. My, uh, my old black tumbler was probably in 18 different states with me on surveillance missions. And it's one of the most important things that you can take with you, which is a good cup of coffee that stays hot when you're trying to watch bad guys and make sure that they don't attack people. And I did a lot of counterterrorism missions, folks. I got to tell you, I spent a lot of time doing all that. Um, on top of that, we also want to say thanks to our friends over at Catholic Vote. You guys know how to go over there, catholicvote.org. 
uh, America's top Catholic advocacy group, and they are they are uh, advocating rather for the uh, the fight, faith, family, and freedom. Three things that are so important to the Kyle Serafin Show, and important to many of you. Things that most of us are willing to uh, to put our life on the line for: faith, family, and freedom. You can sign up for the Loop. The Loop is an outstanding email. If you guys aren't getting this already, go ahead and sign up for it. Just put your email address in there, and uh, what you'll see is this: today's Loop. And look at the top thing on there. It's Patriot Day. It's September 11th. But you'll notice the governor bans all guns in Albuquerque. That's the top thing that they thought was important today as well. It's important to us. It should be important to you. Uh, ben Luna is going to be on here to talk about it with us about why that is so important. And then uh, lastly, but not least, I want to say just a, uh, a little promo to our friend Garrett O'Boyle, G-O-B Actual on Twitter. This is the website. We've put this together for him. It's the-suspendables.com. That's our merch. You can find things out there. If you want to show people that you're willing to resist tyranny and if you want to show people that you are willing to put it on the line, Everybody here uh, that's joined our chat, all of you suspendables know that a suspendable is someone that is willing to do the right thing even when it's going to cost them something. We call it white martyrdom when you talk about the faith, but knowing that you're willing to put it on the line and put your name on the line and that you might get canceled socially, you might lose some friends over it, you might lose a job over it, uh, but there is nothing more important than your honor, your integrity, and knowing that your children are going to grow up in a free America. So go to the suspendables, the-suspendables.com, and uh, support Garrett and uh, support us through them. Uh, you can wear those shirts. Somebody's got to send me some pictures. So tag me on social media at Kyle Serafin. If you guys get any of his shirts, they're just about to start shipping out. I know it's going to be a little bit. Um, we're going to introduce uh, Ben. I'm going to bring him on because I know he's sitting here listening to us and he's been uh, hanging out in our little green room. Let's bring him on. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I've got some videos that we'll share. So Ben, thanks so much for joining me on short notice this morning. And uh, sure. welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Appreciate you having me on. It's, uh, it's like you said, nobody hears about New Mexico and we there's a lot going on here. And we'll get into that here in a bit. A hundred percent. Now, is this your first run for uh, for U.S. office? It is. It is. Um, but I've helped a lot of campaigns in New Mexico, as far as you know, donating campaign videos, donating our media content, um, giving endorsements via Lexit. Um, I'm the chapter leader, or I was the chapter leader. I had to step down because I am running. So um, I've been heavily involved, and in, and in what I've noticed is. What we've done as far as grassroots, it's working. And so it's very untraditional. Um, I come with, you know, a lot of music in my background. Um, I used to pay video editors to, you know, be the editors for my shows. And that's just too expensive when you have to go to 33 counties in New Mexico. So I, I ended up taking that on myself and I tested it out during a Black Lives Matter protest in my town in Alamogordo, New Mexico. And um, I made a horrible edit. It was, it was trash. Yeah. <laughs> Sound was horrible. It, you, you could tell it was my first one. And so, um, but, you know, I, I kind of flipped the script. There was a, uh, the organizer, he, um, we started talking and, and I asked him, you know, there's, there's this guy who, uh, and it was the George Floyd time, you know, okay. those riots going on in, in the nation. And I told him, Hey, there was this guy, he, um, you know, he was falsely accused and uh, they sentenced him to death. They made up, a bunch of, uh, you know, they brought up false witnesses. And I asked I asked him, what would you do on behalf of that guy? And he was like, oh, we would stand for him. And I was like, well, that guy's name was Jesus Christ. And uh, and it de-escalated de the whole situation. But that, that video, as horrible as it was, got 40,000 views within like a matter of minutes. And uh, it just showed me the power of media. And uh, so we built a team to where we can handle most campaigns in the in the state, possibly even the nation. 
I can appreciate that. Now, you sent me a video that was from your Instagram, and, and it's on your Twitter account, which people can follow. It's actually in the show notes, folks. You can find uh, Ben's uh, socials. We're going to dig into who Ben is as a person. I want to play that video in just one second. I, I'm assuming you did the edit on that. You just brought that up, that you're the, you're the guy? Yeah, that was just uh, off my phone. So, okay. yeah. It's, yep. uh, it's phone quality. <laughs> so fair enough. This is uh, this is something that happened yesterday, though. So we covered this in a live stream for a couple hours. We spent our day doing that on a Sunday when we could have been hanging out with our families because I think it is so important. Um, people in my live chat are letting me know that there's a little bit of a rumbling noise in the background, like maybe a fan or something. So I don't know if that's something you can flip off. But if you can, great. If not, no big deal. We're going to run that video. Uh, you got a couple seconds here to, to take a look around your room and see if there's a noise reduction. Uh, you want to do video number three, Ryan? Let's see what uh, let's see what happened yesterday in New Mexico. All we want to do is protect our families, our friends, our communities. I've gone on two combat tours with the Marine Corps and fought on the front lines. I've done 11 trips as an independent contractor. She thinks she has the right to take away my freedom to protect my community. And I don't think so. This will not stand. We will not comply. So some of you guys are waking up and you're going, oh, hey, good morning, Kyle. What's going on there? You've got a guest on um, and he's running for U.S. Senate uh, out of uh, New Mexico, a place that I didn't even know was in the United States, which I think a lot of people have uh, either jokingly or seriously told me. In fact, when I moved to Las Cruces, buddy, they actually told me, is, is that in America? And I go, yeah. They go, oh, it's not a, like an extraterritorial post. I go, no, it's not. Um, all this came about because of what happened. And I'm going to play video number four, if that's uh, just so you know, Ryan, I want to. Um, I want to set this up. So, Ben, the reason that we came into contact is because your governor decided that she was going to uh, tell you that you don't have civil liberties in New Mexico. You want to expound on that? And we'll let her say it in her own words in a second. Yeah. So pretty much she said that her oath and then our constitutional rights are not absolute. And um, the fact that she's trying to take away the rights of those who have their license, their concealed carry license and uh obviously every everybody that wants to open carry um that's a big big scary decision that we're all watching because it sets precedence for the rest of the nation and um but it's not the first time and, and we'll get into that but we, we've we've been um we we've learned how to adjust under a tyrannical leadership so 100 percent that let's let's hear um the Notorious MLG. This is Michelle Lucian Grisham. This is the mayor. I'm sorry, the uh, the governor of New Mexico. In her own words, telling us that she doesn't respect your civil liberties in New Mexico for New Mexicans. So, if you want to play that video for me, Ryan, uh, what is that? Number four. Yeah. You took a, but your point is valid. You took an oath to the Constitution. Isn't it unconstitutional to say you cannot exercise your, your carry license? With one exception, and that is 
if there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency, this 11-year-old and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention to have the debate about whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? I took an oath to uphold those two. And if we ignore this growing problem without being bold, I've said to every other New Mexican, your rights are subrogated to theirs. And they are not, in my view. Uh, wait a minute, you're talking about crimes. There are already laws against the crimes, so how are their rights? But again, if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that right? If this climate is so out of control, somebody should do something. I'm doing as much as I know to do. Matthew, yep. do you really think that criminals are going to hear this message and not carry a gun in Albuquerque on the streets for 30 days? Uh, no. But here's what I do think. It's a pretty resounding message. It's a pretty resounding message, Ben. Does it? What, what, what is the resounding message that you took away from that? Uh, what's resounding probably throughout the entire United States is that somebody who has socialistic or Marxist uh, beliefs is in a place of power, and we're all along for the ride here in New Mexico. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just crazy because she started talking about her own safety. But really, nobody ever talks about all the times when, you know, Gun, gun owners, those who are licensed, um, when they save the day. And she's never talking, nobody's ever going to talk about that. When, when they have this agenda and they're set on taking away our guns, it's a, it's a long-term agenda. And um, I think we've been on cruise control for way too long. But the fact that New Mexico is waking up since the lockdowns, um, we, we actually weren't caught off guard for this. We were expecting it. We were kind of waiting for the next thing, you know, going going throughout the nation. And so I think she's um, she's jumping the gun a little bit and she's getting a lot of backlash even from Democrats. Um, I had a Democrat that has a lot of influence in northern New Mexico offered to help me get my opponent out because he heard what I was saying. He heard what I stood for and he saw he's seen the condition uh, and, and his family is like life, lifetime Democrats. And so Lexit is, is not just a uh, uh, national organization it's it's what's happening latinos are exiting and uh and so but yeah it's we were we were expecting every bit of this to come to pass uh we just didn't know when yeah that makes some sense all right normally my format is i, I like to find out who i'm talking to before we do uh, you and i have had a little bit of history for the last couple of days but let's start from there for the for the rest of the audience tell me where you grew up tell me who you are uh tell me about your family yeah so um you know, I was born and raised in Alamogordo, New Mexico, for the most part. We moved away to Texas. My dad started a church there. We came back. And um, right out of high school, um, because I took electrical trades, I, I started as an electrician, uh, on-the-job training, got licensed, been in the career or the field for about 16 years. I'm a journeyman as well. And so um, we've, we've kind of come out of that 
mentality of a lot of Latinos and Hispanics. We came out of the poverty mentality. We're business owners. My, uh, my family, as far as my dad and I, we, we actually started a business in 2020 of all years. And it was actually the best year of my entire life because that's when I came to know who God is. And so, um, you know, I felt like I needed to put my career on hold and and give my time to studying what I didn't know, which was the Constitution, Bill of Rights, and our many founding principles, and also the Declaration of Independence. And so I put that on hold, uh, gave myself to starting a company. We started off picking up dog poop for <laughs> some of our first clients. Yep. And uh, I had to stomach that, but I knew it was what God wanted me to do. And so now we have about 10 contracts. Um, I let the ownership being my dad's name because I know how the Democrats are and I knew what my calling was. And uh, the way they are is they'll, they'll fill up the, 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 the reviews and they'll give bad reviews and just shut you down just like they did that barber in California when she didn't shut down. So I already kind of went into this, starting this business with that uh, mindset that I'll, I'll keep it as protected as I can. Um, but so, um, yeah, we started that. That allowed me to be full-time for my community, my state. And um, the events, like you saw yesterday, we did that spontaneously during the lockdowns. And so I provided uh, sound, camera, uh, like video equipment. Do I would do video recaps, photo recaps. And, um, and because it was mostly because it was an information war. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we, we could post something and then the news will just twist it in whatever way they want to. And so we would set up rallies spontaneously in front of news stations. Uh, 2,000 people would show up and we would kind of force their hand to where they would have to uh, correctly, um, you know, state state what was going on in our uh, many events. But we had to call rallies protests to peacefully assemble during that time. And, and church services had to call their church services protests, peaceful protests. And so there was a lot of um, a lot of learning we had to do during uh, during that time. And so I actually booked uh, the Lexit founder, Jesse Holguin. I booked him for the finale of our 33 county tour. And um, I booked him there, booked Chris Ann Hall. I don't know if you know who she is, but she's a constitutional attorney. And um, and so we that's how I joined Lexit. I kind of watched them for a little bit to see if they were legit because I saw national platforms, you know, come up and go away and monetize everything or whatever. And so I just kind of watched to see if they would still stand their ground, stand for what they believed in. And uh, sure enough, they did. And so I joined them. And within a year, we produced our own documentaries here in New Mexico on our many industries, oil and gas, uh, logging, ranching. And um, our first episode of Ranching Uncanceled, that's on Rumble, um, we, we pretty much had the worst fire in New Mexico history. Um, actually it's the worst two fires and I think they ended up merging. And so during that time, the U S forest service was actually responsible for causing that fire. But during that time, they were also fencing off the water of these ranchers and they own the water rights. And so we, you know, somebody who knew I could be there spontaneously, like, Hey, these people need a documentary. Can you show up? So we did a tour with uh, Congresswoman Yvette Harrell, all our County commissioners, and uh, we did a tour with the Forest Service and then I think even some New Mexico Agriculture Agency. 
And we started to see that the elk were overgrazing and the ranchers were getting blamed. And so um, we pretty much, you know, gave them a national platform. They got their voice heard. And what's very encouraging about us doing that in advance is now today, they're booked, uh, I think, in a week to speak at a national event in Dallas against the 3030 land grab. And so I, I don't know what all that entails yet, but I know in a, in a big way, it's, it's pretty much what they've done, but on a larger scale. And so we recorded somebody that was a rancher way back. His name is uh, Kit, Kit Laney. And they did the same exact thing, except they made him cut his head of cattle from a thousand to about a hundred to the, to Spike and Kelly Goss, they cut their head of cattle from 500 to 100. And so during a time when there's, you know, bread lines in going into Walmart, but all those mom and pop shops are closed and food is scarce. You're literally running out. You're talking about literal lines of people waiting inside New Mexico. Most people did not see this, but New Mexico had a special yeah. version of lockdowns. Yeah, no, we had bread lines. I, and I have a hard drive full of all that uh, we went through that there was, um, it was even in the winter time. And there was an old man that defecated himself standing in line. And, and there's just people getting sick because they're outside in the cold in the snow waiting to go inside the grocery store. So that's running up the numbers, you know? And, um, and so it was, that's, that's kind of how we started. We started giving a platform for the people um, because if, if nobody hears about it, nobody really cares about it really. And, and what I saw is, you know, as I asked national platforms to come into New Mexico, um, I would get cancellation after cancellation. And so I was like, you know what, it's going to be us doing the work to whatever end. Let's do it. Let's organize. And that's exactly what we did. Um, a lot of those spontaneous rallies turned into multiple cities of organizers, Democrat, Republican, whatever. They all formed their own organizations to stand against what was going on. And we all collaborated that. That is now bettertogethernewmexico.org, all spelled out. If you go there, there's a uh, promo video on notmykid.org tab, and that's what we're going against now. And so a good example of what it's all turned into is uh, two legislative sessions ago, we sent 300,000 responses. That's like emails, phone calls, whatever. This last year, we sent 1,100,000 responses. And so... To be honest, I, I've asked other people in other states, they've, they don't have this coordinated. They're developing this in California. They're, they're actually standing against a lot of uh, bad bills. But at the same time, we're going against people in power who are literally forcing legislation down the people's throats. And we're not having a say in, in the matter. And that's why I'm at least putting myself in between my state and these tyrannical uh, leaders because, you know, what, we applauded the Oakland Raiders for standing for the flag during the lockdowns. We applauded, you know, those rare people that, that stood for the national anthem. And there wasn't many people standing at that time. And, and I think in the nation, there's not a lot of leadership um, because a lot of people think they have a lot to lose. But me, I came to God with nothing. And all I have is because God gave it to me. And so if he wants it all back, I will literally give my life for this country. Um, and, and I know it's a dangerous world, but I've already made up my mind of, of what I'm going to do and what God's called me to do. So you just said something that, uh, that stuck with me and it's, it's repeating in my head right now. You said, uh, if, if nobody hears about it, then nobody cares about it. Yep. And, and I think that sums up a lot of what goes on in New Mexico. 
Let's talk about the state itself as a as a, a place in America, as a very unique place. Can you talk about culture, your understanding of it, uh, sort of the, 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 the things about New Mexico that many people don't realize? You mentioned elk overgrazing, and I think a lot of people just pictured elk in the desert. Can you, let's right. talk about New Mexico as a, as a, uh, as a landform and, and, and a people. Yeah, so what's kind of cool about that 33-county tour is I got to see a lot of New Mexico. It's beautiful. It is so beautiful. The sunrises and sunset, sunsets with different types of mountain ranges, plateaus, and even the desert like can look beautiful at times. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing what we've ran into as we made the tour. Sorry, my eyes are like trying to get stuck together. most of the year yeah. in most places yeah yeah and despite it's, that you still have elk and you have beautiful greenery <laughs> and all kinds of wild stuff and there's coyotes and there's uh there's pigs and there's uh urdu what are those things called uh oryx you ever seen the oryx yep 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 tell a people, lot of that tell people what that is because i bet you most people yeah. don't even know so that's like uh the, i think they brought them from africa right they did I, I, right yeah like and in so the 60s it's the, it's the ones that have the straight horns going back almost like a gazelle but just straight horns and then they have like a little black and tan color on their tail or something they're all over but, the uh, place at white sands yeah white sands missile range yeah uh-huh. yeah that's a good place and and you grew up in alamo so i know that uh you've been through across that 85 mile stretch of desert that is nothing but a straight line running from one <laughs> mountain range to another yeah yeah, uh, actually, I drive to Albuquerque all the time. So, and then, uh, but yeah, of course, White Sands to Las Cruces. It's 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 a small state, really. It's a small in population. It's it's actually pretty good sized uh, because it's so unpopulated. You spend a lot of time just looking at open terrain and, and its beauty. I'm actually was gonna before we had all the uh, the failures on the, on our tech end. I was gonna try to send Ryan over a picture of my sunset porch. We'd watch the sun go down from my house in Las Cruces. And it's the biggest sky, you know, Montana is the biggest sky I've ever seen. Las Cruces is a real, real close second. And it's obviously right down the line from Montana. It's It's got such an incredibly huge sky. I don't even know how you can be a big sky like that when you're, why is that? Is it just, it feels like the curve of the earth drops off right at the end of New Mexico. And you can just see nothing but but uh, God's, you know, kind of glory there. It's, yep. it's really That's something. That's exactly what it is. It's beautiful everywhere. Like. Um, I think we were kind of talking about a lot of the plateaus and mountain ranges. Um, but yeah, there, there's all forms of hunting. I, I love dove, dove hunting in Las Cruces at the dairy farms. Oh yeah. That, that's where we go all the time. And down by where and, all the, the pecans are in the orchard, yeah. they, it's like pecans. And then it's just dairy farms. Yeah. From the river to the dairy farm, they, they just fly back and forth and yeah, it's, it's great hunting there. Um, but yeah, that, that's a huge part of New Mexico hunting. Um, you know, the, the way a lot of the rural New Mexico is, is the way a lot of America needs to be, to be honest. Like there's some of the only people that know they have ownership and they know that the government can't tell them what to do. And that's really a lot of New Mexico. Like I talked to that guy who was uh, heavy as far as, um, Democrat, you know, following before or whatever. But he said rural New Mexico is about 500,000 people 
And then Bernalillo, which is the biggest county, is about the same. And so he said if, if somebody can reach rural New Mexico, you can, you can possibly change this, change this color of the state. What does it take for the number of people you would have to have, uh, you know, kind of turn from blue to red to be able to have you be successful in your campaign? I think it was like a hundred or one hundred fifty thousand. I think that's what I saw posted last time. But I mean, we're we're seeing it happen already. Um, the referendum effort is is bringing people by the droves that we've never seen, and we've never seen the churches involved like they've been. Um, there's a David Barton. He's America's historian. I don't know if you know who he is. Not but, familiar. No. But yeah, he pretty much gives a lot of these statistics that if the church voted, we would win every single election. And it's just they don't turn out to vote. And so that's um, that's something that's kind of been my calling as well, getting the church out of complacency, uh, showing them how, you know, God's people were involved in times of tyranny throughout the ages. Um, that's that's Bible right there. Like every every single hero we think of in the Bible was was either in a hot, the highest of place of um, power and political um, roles or they were changing the landscape of what they were going through, whether it was oppression or the judges or prophets that judged things in the land. So, but yeah, that's... Uh, well, let, well, let's dig into kind of the identity piece of this too, because uh, New Mexico is a, a very interesting place. It's got uh, some of the, the most interesting people heritage. There's obviously the, the Latino end of it, and you've talked about uh, Lexit. And then there's the native side of it, which is uh, also very real. And, uh, and then there's people that are kind of both. And then there's people that have kind of settled there and they started off as probably a lot of hippies and some of the other things it's, it's got like, you know, it's, it was a hippie place. It was a natural place. It had all these other things going on. Can you talk about your particular uh, connection to it? Uh, as you know, do you speak Spanish? Uh, you were, you're part of the Lexit movement. You know, how many total years were you living in New Mexico? I kind of want to dig into your, your connection to the, to the space that we just talked about. Yeah. So, um, I don't speak Spanish, which is, you know, I, I hate that fact about me because everybody wonders why. But my mom, during the times when they came over, uh, she, she did come here as an immigrant. She got her citizenship, but they were forced to speak English mm -hmm. during that time. And so Spanish was looked down upon. Uh, it was like, if you come to America, you're going to speak English, which is, you know, that that is what, what, what they do need that? to know. Uh, it's way back. I think she's, um, I don't want to date her, but I'm... Yeah, I think she's about 50 years old, and she came over whenever she was like 15 or something like that. And that's about that sounds about right to me, though, about the time when we would have seen that. Because I recall mm -hmm. a lot of people in my my generation, I'm in my early 40s, but people in their 40s and 50s had that same experience where it's like, mm -hmm. we come over here, and we're going to assimilate, and we're not going to teach our kids English because we want them to become Americans. Right, right. And now, <laughs> and, now knowing Spanish is like one of the greatest weapons you could have in America at this time right now. It certainly and, is. But I have a lot of translators lined up for the campaign tours. Okay. <laughs> You're like, just because I look like I should. My, one of my co-hosts on one of my shows is a guy named Alfa Luna. And, and uh, Alfredo looks like he should speak Spanish, too. And I always give him a hard time. And he speaks Spanish uh, about as well as I do, which is to say... Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, yeah, I, I know when me. you're talking bad about me. That's about as good as I do. And, I'm, and he was a cop, so he knows when they're talking bad. That's about as good as it goes. But uh, that is that is a disadvantage. Of, but it also, I think, is a it's a it represents a certain moment in time. Yeah, it, it definitely does. It definitely does. Um, it's yeah. What we're watching now, I don't know if you've seen two documentaries. They're called Uncle Tom One and Uncle Tom Two. And um, yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> intense name, but they, they kind of go into the depths of that name. 
and uh, they talk about a lot of the ignorance. Well, the thing that they did to the black vote or to get the black vote is the same exact thing that they're doing to a lot of the illegal immigrants and Latinos and Hispanics in America now. And so in some cases, you're seeing, just like in New York, they're like, you got all these, all these, you know, you got the black vote here and you got all these homeless people on the streets, but you're taking in and you're spending billions on these illegals. And I've, I've actually worked on one of those, those uh, Afghan camps. That, that's what we call them. They were immigrant camps. Yep. But um, I worked on one of those and, and saw the cost of that and and it's gone. And now they're in our in our nation, which is it's fine that immigrants come, but they're in our nation. And and I actually tried helping this one guy get a job and he was pretty much stranded in a hotel. So they're bringing people here, but they're also leaving them stranded with no no idea of how to get a job, how to get a license, how to function in society. And they're sending that money, and so like one of those, one of those um, sites cost about five hundred million to about one billion, and we had twelve of them throughout the entire nation during that time, and so um, that just shows you like, and, and they all got tore down probably like within months. So we spent twelve billion, about, and then however much more to put them in hotels, to give them, give them a food stamps or a food card so they could get food. So like you're, you're still spending. And, um, and so, but a lot of these people were, they were stranded. And the, the kind of sad part is, is that a lot of these people, they came in to the nation, um, with money, but they had to give up all their money. And then they were forced into these camps and then they were forced to just, you know, try to try to make it, you, you have a, you have a caseworker, but, the caseworker can't do anything for you because you, you just don't know how America works. You don't know how to just this simple fact of filling out an application. And so we're, we're training however many thousands came in um, or we're trying to at least. And we're trying to put them in the communities that, you know, best uh, works with them. But that's the same thing that they're doing with the immigrants now. They're, those same camps, there's one in between here and El Paso. And there's the same thing for the immigrants we're seeing now and and it's going to be the same tactic they're gonna, they're not going to educate these people i mean you gotta they're coming to america they can't speak english which is which is 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 kind of dangerous what, what if you get in a place of you're lacking food you're lacking this you know whatever whatever it takes to just live and uh but you're putting them in hotels giving them a food card and a caseworker like there's not enough caseworkers to accommodate every single immigrant and so that's really what they've done. They've, they've done the same thing, and uh, but it's actually destroying families. It uh, destroys the family unit. A lot of these families are coming broken, and they're playing off their emotions and their actual needs. Um, and and the rest of the world sees a, a signal that we have a wide-open border. Now's your chance to come try to make a life. But if you've seen Sound of Freedom, you know that those conditions just to get here, those conditions just to possibly make it here that doesn't guarantee you'll make it here um that's what they're doing to a lot of these uh immigrants who are actually fleeing the same policies and the same tyrannical uh treatment that the democrat party and socialists that are in power are doing to new mexico's now or new mexicans and americans now um it's the same exact strategy it's 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 a template and uh i think because we were on cruise control we we've allowed it to to get very advanced.
to where it's critical. You talked about the, um, the sort of the techniques that are being used, the Uncle Tom movies, that, and you said there's kind of the same exact playbook being rolled out on these folks. Um, we're, we're kind of thinking about this in terms of tyranny. Can you talk about the way that you see that drawing in line uh, and, and the sort of the tyrannical techniques that are being used? I know you also yeah. mentioned that there was stuff going on in California that you see being very parallel. Yeah, so I, I'm going to show you this book right here. It's called When a Nation Forgets God by Erwin uh, Lutzer and Eric Metaxas wrote the forward. Um, Eric Metaxas has a book called A Letter to the American Church, which is circulating the entire nation. Um, but it's very similar to this. This goes into more detail. And what I tell people as I go around speaking or just people I work with, I'm, I'm telling them I'm highlighting things in this book that talks about Nazi Germany and what they did to change the Constitution, uh, to seize control of the economy, uh, a failing economy. And um, every little thing that they've done, I've highlighted in different colors as I've read it multiple times. And so I read it multiple times. That way I know what to expect because it's the same strategy. So uh, one thing, a good example is I told that to Led Marker, who's leading the referendum here in New Mexico. Um, and actually, we need to talk about something that he's doing to kind of counter what the governor's doing. But so I was telling Led Marker, like the same thing, I'm highlighting things in this book that are becoming relevant. And I said, the next thing that they're going to do is they're going to come after the homeschool and the private school children because they need to have that next generation in order to produce what they want to produce for the upcoming generations. And uh, like within a week, public education department issues a statement that all homeschool uh, curriculums have to do X amount of hours, like it's a requirement now to do X amount of hours, but they have no they have no kind of authority over homeschool curriculums, but they're trying to bridge that gap. And that's what they've done in a lot of issues. In, in Nazi Germany, uh, they did the same exact thing. It became illegal to have homeschool. And, um, and not only that, they knew that when you have access to the schools, then you can produce the next generation. And even Abraham Lincoln said that the philosophy in the classroom will become the philosophy in, uh, you know, in lawmaking, pretty much. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing, you know, multiple generations that have been trained to um, trained to not only believe a lie, but to do whatever they can to make sure that false narrative uh, succeeds. And that's that narrative is destroying our nation. It destroys families. Um, and you got to think of this. Um, how many people in our nation know that a black American hero ended the Revolutionary War? Nobody does, I would say, unless they've actually dived in a search. There's a, a man named James Armstead. He was a double spy, and he was actually responsible for feeding intel to George Washington to where we could finally end, end the war, and he saved countless lives, and nobody knows about that. Why? Because we were purposely not taught, and we were taught something else as well about America. And it's raised up multiple generations that now— even though like we have people like me at my age, but if they weren't taught, they're in places of government, they're still acting on what they've been taught. And um, it's been an indoctrination camp for a long time. I've actually had to teach myself American history since the lockdowns. And I found out how much I wasn't taught. And once I pulled my kids out and put them in classical conversations, I saw how much 
kids can learn. Like my, my son, he's going to know all the presidents like easily because it's a song they sing. They, they sing a song and that's how they learn. And, and by the time they get to up higher grades, the words they're singing become relevant in the lessons. And so he's going to know more than me. Um, and what, what grade are you in, son? Fourth grade. Yeah. <laughs> so. it, it, that's how that works, too. They, they end up, they're, they're little knowledge sponges right there, and they can pull so much in. I was thinking uh, you said it ended with, a, with a, a, a black American being able to successfully help move it, and you think that it also began. The first death was Christmas Addicts, yep. and most yep. people – you know, I remember growing up learning that, but uh, you know, that's just because I have a crazy memory to be able to pull it back. I have like basically like a fourth grader's mentality on a lot of things, probably not just not just memory, but uh, a lot of people don't have that uh, that awareness. They don't know the, the the things, and so they don't even know what they do not know. I'm gonna have uh, Ryan pull something up for you right now. Look at this. Sure. You just mentioned that um, you just mentioned they got to go after the kids. And this is a tweet that just showed up from the FBI yesterday. My buddies uh, and I monitor what the Bureau is doing. And they said they're going to kick off back-to-school season by enrolling uh, kids in the FBI's local youth community outreach programs. I, didn't, sketch. <laughs> I, I have no idea why the FBI needs a community outreach program wow. to children. And also, if you look, if you pull that picture back up again one more time, Ryan, I want to I have people focus in on something. The, uh, the photograph that's on there, if you look on the on the left side of your screen, what you're seeing is a multicam helmet, a multicam cry battle shirt with a, a slung rifle. There is a man who is wearing basically full military kit. He's an FBI SWAT guy. And I think there is nothing more relatable to normal people and kids than a guy who is pretending to be a soldier on American soil um, and representing the FBI. I, just, I don't know. Everything about that normalizes something that's so strange to me. It is so tone deaf at this moment. But if you're going to capture the kids... That's how you do it, and, uh, and and you've just very articulately laid that out, and this was timely, I think. This literally just came out yesterday or the day before over the weekend. And in the meantime, we're talking about tyranny. We're talking about trying to use that, and this is one of the tools, uh, this this FBI and, and, and the rest of our government. The FBI just seems to be the, the whipping boy at the moment, um, and and they're doing it through this this interesting playbook. What other, what other um, sort of barriers to homeschooling are happening in New Mexico? I love that you're doing that. We do it here, too. Tell me about well, homeschooling. Yeah, it's actually blowing up here. I think um, I can't really remember how many people exited the Albuquerque public schools. Um, it was a big number, though, and um, that was happening throughout the entire state. And so classical conversations is really uh, homeschool, but then they meet once a week. And so you have parents that become tutors. And my wife actually became a tutor and started teaching as well. And uh, the training she went to, they said it was the largest in Albuquerque that they've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And so parents are coming out of the woodwork. I mean, there's even free curriculums that parents are using. We were actually, um, and, and I still want to, it's, it's kind of a burden in my heart to start a learning facility. Uh, one thing we did see is that a lot of private businesses were, were shut down. And so I was actually gonna create a learning facility that helps homeschool curriculums for one and uh, they bring their own curriculum. You have tutors, but each tutor is their own private business. And then not only that, the learning facility is not a school, it's a, it's a learning facility. And so you're, you're not under the same laws. And so you have multiple private entities that they would have to cross in order to shut that down. And so um, there's, there's been that happening. Actually, people have formed their own little learning facilities within homes and stuff like that. And so there's a mass exodus from the schools uh, not only that, with, with the new laws, HB7, that allows for transgender and abortion procedures to take place 
on school grounds without parental consent, once the entire population of New Mexico knows that, you're going to see the biggest exit you've ever seen in any kind of uh, state as far as the school districts. And so um, that's what we're already seeing. Once parents find out, they're either more involved, more engaged, or they pull their kids out. And um, and we saw we kind of saw the signs of the times during the lockdown. Uh, we saw what was coming, segregation based off of immunization records. You couldn't even have public comment in a lot of meetings. Uh, Santa Fe was barricaded with, with uh, a fence all around the Capitol, uh, state police there on patrol. And uh, we had nothing like DC and she just claimed an emergency, claimed yeah. it was an emergency and, and locked the state down. And people via public comment were muted via Zoom. And we, could, we couldn't speak. Because it was all digital. It was all remote. They could yep. control it 100%. Will you, yep. will you kind of uh, maybe expound upon why you think New Mexico is such a good, I've heard it called a Petri dish. I've heard it called a trial balloon. People say it's a testing ground. Why is that? Why is New Mexico such a good place for that? Uh, I'm not too sure why. What, what's kind of scary, one, people don't know about what's going on here. And we, we talked about, like, if you don't know what's happening, you, you're not going to care about what you don't know. And so it's been like, I don't know. I, I don't know why America doesn't see what's going on in New Mexico, for one. But the fact that you have Arizona building their own wall, then you have El Paso or Texas building their own barricade mm -hmm. for the immigrants, that creates a funnel into New Mexico. And I think that's strategic. Um, there was actually word given to me that the Border Patrol um, was told to stand down in our state. So it created that path. I don't know what kind of coordination is going on at, in, in places I'm not um, involved in yet. But, um, but yeah, it's a lot of things are coordinated against America. One, we have resources here. We have a ton of resources here. I'm, I'm telling you, we can provide for the entire nation. Somebody was telling me that it's second only to Alaska in natural resources. I didn't validate it, but I know there's timber. I know there's agriculture. There's cattle. There's someone said it was the second biggest dairy producer, which I don't know if that's true or not. But yep. I heard that. I think it's, it, it's got to be on the list. And there are a ton of dairy farms. So I had the benefit of listening to five hours of New Mexicans kind of chirping in my ear when we did this Twitter space. I'm going to I want to walk you to see if this makes sense to you, because this is what they brought to my attention. They mentioned the uh, the poverty level that exists in New Mexico and the number of people that are living kind of like uh, hand to mouth hourly jobs being yeah. and when and when they're doing that they don't have time to pay attention to politics and then the second thing is is there's a fair number of people that made really good money and I was one of them I mean I made I had a $100,000 a year plus job but I worked for the government and a lot of people that work for the government tend to be pro government stuff so there was just the like the people that made money are pro government the people that don't make a lot of money um, don't have time to look at politics and your reflection as you sort of run around and seeing all the counties in New Mexico. Does that does that ring true to you? Yeah. So what I tell a lot of the people I work with and people I meet throughout the state, I tell them that until the tyrannical behavior affects them, the individual personally, they won't come out of their normal life. And that's really what it takes, unfortunately. I, I don't know why that is. Um, but, you know, I know people in churches that almost in a sense try to bury their head you, you just like when they hear something about what's going on it's like you just hear the the, the whole atmosphere just kind of change like they're not accepting it like they don't want to accept it and and that's exactly what happened in nazi germany and the, the way they conditioned the people to not talk 
to your family, like when you weaponize the children and you can't talk at the dinner table anymore about what's going on in politics because you could be turned in like in Cuba. That's exactly what happened. Like when the FBI um, recruits your kids. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah, that's that's a big way. Um, once once they weaponize our children and and it's no longer a snitch hotline going to the governor. It's a snitch hotline going to where you could your children could be removed or the parents could be removed. Um that's going to be a dangerous time we, we're going to live in. And I think, I don't think a lot of Americans are going to live with that because our founding is different. There's something different that's ingrained in, in America, but no, it's, it's, it's definitely a scary issue. What you, you were talking about, like people, you know, getting involved or not. Um, yeah. So people are hearing about this referendum effort. They're hearing about what they're doing to bypass parental rights. That's almost a universal issue for all of New Mexico. Yeah, that's just a landmine. Yep. And they yep. stepped and on it in Virginia too, if you think about it. Yes, they did. Yep. And the mama bears came out and won that. Um, I think that's what we're going to have happen here. And so during the first set of lockdowns and the first set of emergency powers, they, um, it was slowly but surely, sorry, it was slowly but surely they added more. And as they added more um, to, you know, at first it was mask up, social distance, shut down for 14 days, mom and pop shops closed. And then what she did, the governor did, is she's doing the same thing that she's doing for Albuquerque now. She made it to where certain counties, if they had certain numbers, they had to be closed down. Okay? The same exact tactic. She already, she tested it out. And she did, and the, she's doing the same thing on guns. Is that correct? Because that's what I, I read the, the degree. Thing. Talk about that if yeah. you would. Yeah, so it's what, once you have like X amount of, of shootings, X amount of crimes or whatever um that's whenever that that order goes into effect and so it's not just for albuquerque it's for the entire state and so once they you know if they could fabricate those numbers just like they fabricated the other numbers then we're going to be in completely locked down and so yeah she's already done the test drive on new mexico with the previous lockdowns but like i said first it was you know incremental but then it became the healthcare workers Remember how they didn't have to vaccinate? Well, all of a sudden they were required to. The healthcare worker became no longer the hero. And then also uh, federal and state employees, they also started out to either choose between jab or job. And, um, and so one of the best rallies we ever had was Los Alamos National Labs employees and Sandia National Labs employees. They came out and I, I could actually send you a link later, but, um, we had about like 600 employees come out. Like a lot of them wanted to strike, but you can't do that when it's a government facility. Right. Uh, the, it jeopardizes the mission. And so people still came out, but I also saw that union workers were there. And so I'm actually a union electrician. And um, I, during the whole lockdowns, there was job sites fully operational when I was working. And, and they were able to continue to make their own protocol and stay open, but they didn't allow small mom and pop shops to, to do that. And so, but what you started seeing in union uh, jobs is they no longer had representation. You always have a steward on these job sites when it's a union job, and and they're they had no representation. They would they would call the hall, and the hall couldn't do nothing. There there was a young man about my age who started getting involved in the um, the office side of of the union. And he tried to do so much to stand up for everybody. 
And he pretty much just said, I, I, I got to quit, dude. I can't do anything. I'm trying, but I, I can't do anything for you guys. And, and I can't, I can't accept that. That does something to my mind when I can't do something for my brothers. And so he actually, he actually left the union and he was a, a very amazing um, journeyman. Cause they and, were, they were uh, asking him to be the enforcer. Is that correct? No, like the things were happening on these job sites where you had to take certain protocols and like, for instance, a tracking device that would actually detect if you were, within if you were uh, within six feet, yep. It would oh. vibrate. It would vibrate. Yep. And so it's so arbitrary uh, and insane. They got the technology though. And, and, and isn't, that, isn't that fun that they were, they were <laughs> testing this stuff out? The, the question that was coming out of our chat was who was enforcing these mandates on behalf of MLG, the governor? Who, I mean, who puts those into practice or is it just based on the, the fear of fiat that she said it and people did it because they were afraid? What, I think that's one of them because I actually attended a, um, an orientation and there was talk around there like, yeah, they had a list of who actually had the jab on this massive site. But then they also, um, they also stated like, yeah, you know, they're, they're saying it didn't work and we didn't really need to do all that. Like they're starting to recant all their uh, Fauciisms. And, and so that, that was being talked about but still they're they're keeping track of who's who's uh getting the jabs or whatever and what did you just ask sorry i think i just jumped yeah up. who i mean who was the actual individual oh, yeah. that was making it happen yeah so employers were doing that employers they were doing it on were, her behalf right because out of fear of losing state licensing this is yeah. the thing they, they they recruited everybody to be part of the tyrannical piece yep. uh, like elements they're they're acting as agents of the state there's a song it's by iron maiden you, you may, it may be before your time but there's a song that's called <laughs> die with your boots on uh, it's one of my favorite, just get pumped up. If you're going to do a workout folks, now, you know, Sounds I listen good. to Iron Maiden. It's one of my favorites, uh, uh, but die with your boots on is one of those things that a lot of people are not willing to do. And, and the idea is, is that you are willing to strap up your boots. If you die, at least you die standing moving forward. And a lot of people are willing to die on a knee or laying down or hiding in a corner. I think we saw a lot of that in New Mexico with this bread lines and the other stuff. Cause I mean, can you imagine defecating yourself standing in the cold waiting on on, on being it, able to go and be allowed to go buy food in a store that sells food. That's his job. It, it was crazy. So like Walmarts were definitely on board with the whole lockdown. Like they loved it because obviously that was the only store open. Yeah. And so, um, they enforced it heavily. I even tried walking to the back where the TVs are. Cause I was going to get a TV to take along with me on the tour. And I walked in without a mask, just beeline for the TVs in the back. <laughs> and, uh, Sure enough, man, it was like a SWAT team came in on me, but it was just Walmart employees. And I, I had the same thing happen at a Costco. It's like <laughs> I, I just refused to wear a mask, and I had a guy like this, like very effeminate, you know, um, I don't know if he was gay or not, but he certainly had sort of like that, like very weak, frail mentality. And it was that time of tyrants where, you know, there's not a lot of guys who weigh 160 pounds or 145 pounds that are 6'2 that come after me because I weigh 180 and I'm. Five eight. I just I'm not that tall, but I don't look like you should knock me over. And they just they were running after you with their little masks on. And, sir, you know, sir. <laughs> they, they'd be great FBI employees too. We have this running joke with my buddies and I. We always laugh in our chat group, but it's just like you know we made a bunch of content this weekend because what happened in New Mexico and so on. And I did five hours with the Twitter Spaces. And I did another five hour one last night. And we just imagine like some FBI guy running into the director going, "Sir, sir, he made thirty hours of content during the weekend." You know, we just make fun of him. And those guys were the ones who were running the show in 2020. Those guys and some of the women, they were Karens, but whatever a male Karen is, I don't know what a male Karen is, but 
they're they're they had their moment to shine in 2020, and they went after you, and they went after me for not wearing a mask or whatever. It's it's amazing. They, they and that's the thing. They they felt for the first time, probably in their life, a a position of power that you didn't even have to be. You know, you didn't even have to be an elected official. You had power. Yeah, exactly. You had power all of a sudden to force people to do what you said. And to be honest, like a lot of times it's, you know, if you look at all the Antifa mugshots, it's these people that are like, whoa, like there's so many different types of people in the world. Yeah, and they're really frail. So I'll, I'll share with you this too. I saw them in, in Portland because I got to do some surveillance there and I saw them um, running after cops. They were, they're LARPers. That's what, that's the only live action role play. If you don't know the, the term, we use it a lot mm. in, in sort of an insulting way. It's, it's really absurd, but it's people that dress up to pretend to be something in real life. And so these people were doing this in the, in the parks. So they dress up like these, I don't know, like wizards or what. I don't know what they were doing. Like they were wearing cloaks and stuff. They had shields. Uh, they want to be like Lord of the Rings guys. And they would go and fight cops. Like you can't fight a cop that's six, you know, six two and weighs two fifty, and all he does is work out and train for violence. And so you'd have ten cops, and you'd have fifty of the LARPers, and they'd come running in. They'd go attack. I'd see them. I was watching through night vision binos. You know, I'm like, what in the world? I hear them scream attack, and you're like, this is not real. And they go running in and try and hit the cops in Portland in these parks. And then the cops would just blast through them like watching it. Like it was like watching a, a defensive line running through a bunch of toddlers. They would just blow through these guys. They would all fall over and they would yell retreat. They'd run off into the distance. You know? <laughs> and I'm watching this in the dark. I'm like, this is not real. Like there's no way what I'm watching is happening. Uh, this is September and, and October of 2020. And you're exactly spot on. It's like people that have never once had authority. They suddenly thought they had a chance and it worked really, really well against people in public because we're polite people as a, as a society mm-hmm. right up until you run into that iron fist of uh, people who aren't going to take it who are going to give the video you the games no. it's the video games That's, man they, yeah it empowered them they're warriors <laughs> they are in, in their online minds i think no, everybody had an experience with that and, and and it's interesting because it sounds like they stepped on the landmine about school choice and about letting people come out they stepped on the landmine about guns i want to tie just a little bit back about what happened in albuquerque did you expect to see that many people pop up for that rally uh, so it was spontaneous and actually I was kind of wondering what, what it was going to do because it was more of a, an aggressive approach that the governor took compared to times in the past, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the past, it was like a pawn shop owner in grants, I believe, you know, being fined 50,000, obviously she's not going to pay that fine because she knows her right. Or like a legacy church, they were fined as well. And they know that they could keep their doors open for service. And so. It, it was more, uh, you know, a lot of bark and no bite during that time. But this one, when you go directly against the constitutional rights that we have, that's a little more aggressive. And so I kind of was, um, that's why I went. That's why I went. I had to see for myself what was the turnout going to be. Yep. Uh, what kind of work do we need to do after this? Because um, a lot of times you could, you, could, you could judge based off of your events, like the turnout. If they're not showing up, then something's wrong. And it's not the message. It's just, you know, something has their attention or or fear has, you know, gripped their hearts. And so it was a good response. I think it was an amazing response. Not only that, I got a bunch of people that are willing to be like in one of my very first campaign videos, um, you know, just to show. I want to show the parallels because during um, the Ronald Reagan years, it was the same. It was the same type of conditions. And, um, and so I want to show the parallels, but yeah, it's, um, it was, it was a great sight to see, like even, uh, one of the fellow organizers, his name's Vance, he has his own 
um, history within, you know, the military. But me and him were talking like, hey, a lot of these people are the same faces that came out when we came out before. And we and so we actually have something planned. We're actually going to plan something uh, for the last weekend of this um, month. We actually want to call on um, patriots throughout other states as well to come join us. And it's going to be a big stand down, you know, in, on any job site. You, when something happens safety-wise, the whole site is shut down, and there's a safety stand-down to, to talk about what happened or to avoid any other um, situations like what happened to happen ever again. And so we want to produce the largest stand-down you know, America has ever seen. We, we saw the truck convoy pass through New Mexico. Well, they're gone. <laughs> they're gone they're not here you know right and, and and many people that you know went to dc but they never went to new mexico and so we've organized our own people i know we're going to get a lot of churches on board for this but we want to definitely plan the largest um demonstration of people that are willing to stand for their liberties if we don't stand now then it's going to get worse it will get worse. And, and New Mexico, I think what we've illustrated here, hopefully people have a, an understanding of it and they can go listen to that five hour Twitter space we did. There was so much good stuff in there. Like there was a, a I was walked away. I couldn't go to sleep for about an hour and a half afterwards. Mm -hmm. I had my mind running. But uh, it's an, it's been incremental steps for a long time in New Mexico. And, and the lockdowns were aggressive. They never let up. Um, people said people gave me conflicting information They either shut down her emergency powers either in June of 22 or maybe even April of 23. In some areas, she was holding on to power, this emergency power forever. And now it was it's Easter. Just, it was Easter of uh, yep. of 23. Yeah, she shut down. That's when right I, by the way, Easter's that's when I got that's when I lost my badge on my gun Easter. And my wife got baptized that Easter. Amen. Yeah, Praise it's pretty it's, it's pretty amazing of 22. Um, it, it's kind of wild how that stuff moved down the line like that. But it, it's one more step. This isn't like a novel idea. This is a progressive push is what I've been seeing. And, yep. and that's and I think because New Mexico either is. Some people are into it, a lot of the government types, but uh, a lot of people just, they're working trades, they're working ranches. Uh, they didn't know it until they stepped on that Second Amendment. Yeah, so the organi organizing I've seen, like especially the ranchers, yeah, they're, they're some of the most unruling citizens in America, which is a good thing because they know their rights. They know, they know what they own, what they purchased is theirs. And the allotments that they buy, it's, it's not the government's. No, they... They have a working relationship with the government, but as soon as that government starts to take their water rights, that's when you have people coming out of the woodwork. And so um, what one thing that is similar to what we talked about earlier um, is I've told people about this documentary we, we're doing for our ranchers, and they say, well, we're on BLM land. Well, we're on this, you know, we work with this organization. And, and that's really how it is, it's like, if you don't have kids in school, you don't have no skin in the game. Well, that's not necessarily the case. When it happens to your neighbor or anybody else, it's coming for you eventually. Yeah, more people and, are getting that skin. Yep, yep. You're going to get a lot of skin I, I, in the I game. used to agree with you. It's, uh, it was, you know, if you don't have kids, why does it matter? Right. Uh, but if it's your livelihood and your business and there's other people that are involved and other people's families are going to be relying on you, then it starts getting to the point where... Um, they're, they're, they're opening up our base of support. I say our base of people that, that want to be able to carry their weapons and, and not be hassled by the government. It's, it's getting mm -hmm. bigger. It actually is way bigger. Um, I want to give you a chance to plug the uh, socials you have, the video, the, um, the website you have. And then I've got two more videos for folks. I think you guys are going to want to stick around and see these. Uh, I'll, I'll let you just kind of watch them with me here. 
Uh, plug your socials if you would and where people can follow you and support you and um, and support your campaign, where they can hit you up with questions and things. Yeah, so the, the campaign website is lunaforus.com. Okay. That's the number four. And then um, I think everything, like Facebook is Ben R. Luna. And then um, Twitter and Instagram is Luna for us or Ben Luna for us, I believe. And well, so um, some of those are tagged in the show notes already, folks. So they've already yep. been updated. Yeah. And if you go to Rumble, uh, that's going to be one name, one banner. Uh, you'll capital O and capital N and capital B's. But yeah, all the first letters. One, one name, name one, banner, one banner. Okay. All spelled out. Yep. Yeah. If you go there, you'll kind of see an example of what we've done. We haven't released Oil and Gas Uncanceled yet. That's coming here pretty soon. Plus a Lexit documentary. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else. But yeah, you're going to see a lot of footage come that we've kind of been holding off on because uh, we're going to use it not just for this campaign, but to kind of push what momentum we, we have. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I appreciate you joining me here. If you want to stick and see these two little videos here, we're going to show video number two, Ryan, if you'll queue it up at the one minute mark. Let's um, let's send that. This is what I think tyranny starts like. And then I'm going to show you what tyranny ends like for you all. And uh, I think that uh, Americans are waking up. So let's do video number two when you're ready. So, folks, what you're seeing, if you're not watching on Rumble. FBI, we have a warrant. Come to the door. This is warrant service with some lackadaisical FBI agents walking around randomly trying to figure out what their tactical position is. Another guy doesn't seem to care about tactical positions. He's just walking around. We got rifles drawn. Uh, we got dudes with no guns at all. Just kind of mixed bag. I want you to just see the way they handle this. This is not a terrible uh, warrant service. This is the way that things are done. But this is a January 6th defendant. So. Okay, there's there's a guy that was hiding. Look how dangerous this guy is. This is, You don't know. So you, he's do, they're doing it correctly. They're, they're bringing him out. They're going to cuff him. This I don't know about. Why are you putting his hands behind without cuffing him? Why are you walking around like that? I mean, he's a compliant subject. But there's there's ways to do that a little better. Now you got two guys. Guns pointed down. I don't know what this chick is doing. Look at her tactical steps. Those are weird. She looks like one of my academy classmates. Now she's going to expose herself. Oh, no, no, she's not. Oh, yes, she is. Oh, she's not sure. Okay. She turns her back on the threat. Smart. Makes sense. All right, Ryan, we're, we're going to... Uh, we're going to skip along. One of the things we always talk about is when you first touch your subject, you show them authority and, and you make it uh, safe for everybody because they understand that you're going to take them to custody and that's going to happen. These guys stack up. They're going to go into the house. We're going to scoop forward just a little bit after they walk inside. So, All right. There they go. I don't know why they're running. You don't need to run into a house, but they did. Um, there they go. There's your, there's your tactical entry. So those of you who have done tactical entries and, and have done entries into a, a thing... Now you see the guy talking about, he's pointing over to the camera, which is in the corner. He said, we got to deal with this. And this is what I want you guys to see. Wow. There is no, we, we talked about this on a Friday show with Steve Friend, folks. I don't, I've never been trained for this. I don't know why this is a necessary step. And he hit it with tape. 
and then they're all going to laugh. So they're all laughing about the fact that they just taped up the, the camera and, uh, and I don't know where they got it with this idea, why this has started coming on, but these are happening in January 6th stuff in a big way. They're disabling cameras. I think they know how embarrassing it is, and the J6ers are not going to comply. They're not going to just, like, take this laying down, and um, they're not going to just allow these things to happen without exposing it. So they are even releasing the, the tape footage. And even the tape footage, like, putting tape on there is, is kind of a damning move. Like, what are you hiding? There's a reason why body cams exist. There's a reason why we should have transparency of our public officials when they do law enforcement. Um... Ben, I want to thank you so much for jumping on last minute. Folks, you don't realize this, but Ben literally texted me this morning, and I was like, hey, you want to jump on the show and go? So he did. Uh, he did it without any kind of warning. We had kind of a uh, technology uh, SHIT show, as we like to say to my kids who can't spell yet that fast. Uh, that was kind of what happened, but uh, so be it. I will end this with a trailer from the movie that we involved in because I think that's that FBI tape video is where it starts, and it ends here, video one. I'll let you uh, pull that up real quick. Ryan, if you're ready for video one, you can run the whole thing. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We are freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. So, folks, uh, if you didn't see the end of it, if you're just listening to this, uh, the the police state, it's a documentary type film is going to be it's it's really a, um, a presentation of where we are in America right now and maybe a, a cautionary tale to you. Uh, it's available in theaters on October 23rd and 25th. I'm interviewed in that movie as part of the documentary uh, discussion, as, and I also coordinated the action scenes with Steve Friend so that we have legitimately realistic-looking FBI raids. Uh, we made sure that that is not embarrassing. If you're a person that carries a gun like I do, you don't want to see people with their fingers on triggers and you know putting guns in, in, in each other's backs when they're stacking up, and, and we made this thing look as good as it can get, and it looks pretty darn good. Uh, it's pretty terrifying, a lot of this stuff in there, and I was in it, and uh, some of this stuff gives me kind of goosebumps watching because if you notice, uh, even the teams that we trained, they were they were hitting the door the way that uh, way that FBI teams that know how to hit the door actually do, unlike what we saw sort of in that uh, that weird video with the tape. So, in any case, folks, uh, check that out, and then it will be streaming live. You'll be able to buy um, um, tickets to it online as well, I think, for a lesser price after the original premiere that happens in studios and in theaters. So, uh, check it out. Uh, go to police statefilm.net, police statefilm.net. We're just driving. 
traffic to uh, Dinesh's thing. And uh, Dan Bongino is a producer in it. Nick Searcy is one of the lead actors who does a lot of the reenactments. Julie Kelly is in it. Um, we've got Cash Patel in there. You saw Jim Jordan. There's a whole bunch of other people that have sat down and did interviews. And they're all evaluating what they see from seats of government, investigative reporting, and former um, federal officials just laying it out there. George Hill's in there. Sonia Labosco. So if you folks are, are familiar with this show, you're going to see a lot of familiar faces there. And, uh, and I think the story it tells is compelling, and it's scary, and it's, it, it is the way that we could be heading if we don't do stuff like stand-up like they did in Albuquerque. So, so well done, New Mexico, for, for stepping in when I didn't expect it. I really could have seen that thing failing and falling on its face. And, uh, Ben, I'll have you jump back up on the screen again. Thanks for sticking with us this morning. Thanks for, for stepping in the, uh, into the arena and putting your hat in there and, and running for office. That's another thing that's really important. So we appreciate you spending your time with us this morning, and I hope you have a, a great and productive rest of your day, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it. So do um, you mind if I read what we're doing as far as the ordinances real quick? Yeah, run it off real quick. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, this is what Larry Marker texted me. It says, the point of passing the ordinance is to codify into county or city uh, the New Mexico Enabling Act, which will establish the Fed, federal constitution as ordinance. Any, other, any order, mandate, or declar declaration issued will be filtered through the federal constitution. In short, the standard of review for any enforcement action with the county or city limits will be the federal constitution. The Enabling Act is essentially our contract with the 49 states in the U.S. Anything our state government does by contract is done within the boundaries after the Enabling Act and ultimately the federal constitution. We are requiring any order or mandate be in compliance with the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, and, so that, that's a little and they shouldn't even have to say that. That should be the requirement. That is the nature of the supreme law of the land. I, I appreciate that, the, that New Mexico is looking to put that into words for people. But that's exactly right. You don't get to suspend the Constitution for any reason, and, uh, and it does rule. It is your contract with the rest of the, the 49. So really, really good stuff. Uh, like again, th thanks so much for joining me. We're going we're gonna to close this sucker out, and um, I will, uh, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure, Ben. Folks, you can follow him on social. Check out the, uh, the show notes, and, um, and you can... Hit them up with any direct questions on there. I know there were probably some more questions that people had, and they can do it there. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been the Kyle Serafin Show, complete with some of our um, tactical difficulties. It's streamed live from 0930 Eastern Time. That's 830 here in Texas, America, or 730 in the land of enchantment. Uh, we can go ahead and uh, say thanks to all of you who have been out there in the live chat and sticking with us, and we're also going to say thanks for the five-star reviews. We're close to 700. We're getting right up on that 700. Here's a really interesting one. This comes from AG321. It says, esoteric truths, a hole in the ceiling. For me, the esoteric truth has a hidden meaning. It represents one's intention. Uh, one's intention is always an, an active verb, i.e. to conceal and obfuscate, to reveal, to share, to expose, to educate, to inform. Kyle Serafin's approach to expose these lies, the partial truths, which are more dangerous than the complete lie, is to reveal the hidden truth and to share the complete truth. We live in a room with a hole in the ceiling, and every once in a while, something passes by that hole, and we question, what was that? Someone lifts us, like Kyle Serafin or Steve Friend or Garrett O'Boyle, and our heads pop through the hole, and we see a whole different world. That is evolution, and that is the Kyle Serafin Show. Hashtags, suspendables will save the republic. God bless and Godspeed. Man, that is a really uh, interesting thing. You should probably come on and talk to us some more. Send me some messages, AG321. I really appreciated that. I saw how long this was and how thoughtful it was, and it's really, uh, it's really spot on. And I appreciate your analysis that we are giving you a look through the hole in the ceiling. That is a new metaphor that I will carry forward with it. So thanks so much for all of you that are doing it. Uh, go ahead and leave us a review and we will read it on the show and make sure you are subscribed to our platforms like uh, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your audio podcasts and uh, wherever you're watching us, you can come to Rumble 
youtube.com slash Kyle Serafin slash live anytime and get into that live chat. Um, folks, have a great day. we got a whole week full of interviews that are going to be illuminating to you, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun week for the Kyle Serafin Show. So stick around and make sure you're joining us. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.